It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 816 for the 27th of January, 2023. This week, besides offering a search engine that doesn't track users, DuckDuckGo offers email protections, such as the ability to provide someone you may not trust with a one-time address that can be eliminated. It short circuits, being able to send an encrypted email message is helpful when you need to send sensitive or proprietary data, but the process is challenging. ProtonMail makes it a lot easier. Microsoft eliminated the ability to boot to safe mode by pressing the F8 key at boot time in Windows 8, but there's an easy way to restore that functionality. And 20 years ago, only on the website, an information manager called Chandler looked promising in 2003, but the application never really caught on. You may notice a different sound in this segment. Because of restrictions on what I can lift, I'm using a Bluetooth headset microphone and a cheap one at that. So I apologize for the sound. Have you ever signed up for a newsletter or made a purchase from a company you've not dealt with before, only to find your email inbox stuffed with questionable offers and spam? Maybe you've wished you could use a disposable address. There are services that do this. But DuckDuckGo includes some worthwhile extras. LifeWire lists some of the best choices in top six disposable email address services. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. But the email service provided by the Duck seems like an excellent choice. You'll start by creating an address with duck.com as the domain. As part of that process, you tell the service where to send the messages it receives. Typically, this will be your primary email address. The advantage is that the duck removes trackers before forwarding the message to you. Trackers tell the sender whether you opened the message, when, and possibly whether you clicked any links. Now, first, a little truth in emailing. The weekly TechBiter newsletter is sent via MailChimp, and it does contain a tracker. That tracker lets me know how many people read the email and how many clicked a link to proceed to the site. That information is helpful because it lets me understand which topics are of the greatest interest to listeners. But I also understand why some people might not like this. I don't do anything underhanded with the information, and you'll just have to trust me on that because it's impossible to prove a negative. The duck simply removes the tracking component, if there is one, and adds a note in the message explaining what it removed. It's a straight pass-through operation. The messages you receive to the special address are not written to disk, and the only personal information retained is your duck.com address and the address you want messages forwarded to. That information is essential for the system to work. During the setup process, you'll receive a message from duck.com asking for your confirmation. This keeps somebody else from submitting your email address and having your messages forwarded to them, and from submitting your address and then using it for nefarious purposes. If you don't respond to the message, no account will be created. End of story. 
You should also add the DuckDuckGo Privacy Essentials extension to any browser you use. This enables the most powerful feature, temporary addresses. When you sign up for a newsletter or buy something from a vendor you have no history with, you can have the Duck create a one-time address like g55a2qaf at duck.com. A message sent to that address will be forwarded to you, but you can terminate the address at any time. If the vendor turns out to be a less-than-honorable creep, delete the disposable address and you will receive no more messages. But if the vendor is somebody you want to hear from again, you can change your account information with the vendor to be either your duck.com address, which will eliminate any trackers, or give the vendor your real email address. Your choice. It's important to know that some trackers may slip through because new trackers are created frequently and blocking them may harm usability. DuckDuckGo does not use third-party email services to forward messages because they developed their own software to send and receive email. The two bits of personal information the service retains are encrypted in the database, which resides on an encrypted disk. The service also uses encrypted network connections whenever possible. In technical terms, this means that the messages are encrypted at all times and that your identifying information is encrypted on the wire and at rest. A few email services, very few, still do not support encryption. DuckDuckGo's Privacy Essentials extension can access your data for all websites, access browser tabs, and access browser activity during navigation. That sounds like a lot, and it is, but the system needs those permissions to offer its protections, such as eliminating trackers on websites, automatically enforcing encrypted connections, blocking the ability for companies to fingerprint browsers by creating a unique identifier for you, and blocking tracking cookies. If you trust DuckDuckGo, and the company does seem to be sincerely interested in providing a search function that doesn't sell your data and in helping others to improve their online security, then the Privacy Essentials extension and a Duck.com email address are just what you need. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. And here, we're back to the regular recording process. In short circuits, if you've ever wished you could send and receive encrypted emails, you may have been stopped by the complexity. Encryption is easier than it used to be, but dealing with public keys and private keys can be confusing. And you need to get your recipients on board with receiving encrypted messages, public keys, and private keys. There is an easier way.
Proton Mail, which is headquartered in Switzerland, has both free and paid plans, and users can send encrypted messages to anyone, even those who don't have Proton Mail accounts. Maybe you're wondering why you'd want to encrypt your email messages. After all, you're not a criminal or a terrorist, or I assume you're not, and your messages are pretty mundane. But is that really true? You may not be a criminal or a terrorist, but probably not all of your messages are mundane. Have you ever sent a message that contains information you would prefer not to appear on a criminal's computer? A credit card number? Bank account? Password? The trouble with email is that even when messages are transmitted on encrypted connections, they're still just plain text on most servers. Maybe you've used tricks like sending a username in one email message and a password in another message, or sending a credit card number in a series of four messages, each with part of the number. These practices are better than placing all of the confidential information in a single message, but the process is clumsy and it's really not secure. Even a free ProtonMail account with its substantial limitations makes the process easy, and the limitations aren't significant for casual users. Even free accounts give users a free email address, up to one gigabyte of storage, up to three labels and folders, and the ability to send up to 150 encrypted messages per day. Paid plans, starting at $4 a month, provide additional features, such as a single account with up to 10 email addresses, 15 gigabytes of storage, support for one custom email domain, the ability to use pm.me as the domain in your email address, unlimited labels, folders, and filters, an option for an auto-reply message, and no limits on the number of messages sent. The easiest way to use ProtonMail involves sending a message from one ProtonMail user to another. There's nothing more to do. The message is encrypted when you send it. It's encrypted when the recipient receives it. You don't need to do anything to encrypt the message, and the receiver doesn't need to do anything to decrypt it. The obvious shortcoming is that both the sender and the receiver must have ProtonMail accounts, and that means both will have to use special email addresses and use ProtonMail's online mail system. Sending a message to someone who doesn't use ProtonMail involves a little more work for you, but very little extra work for the receiver. When you send a message, you'll need to mark it as encrypted and specify a password. You'll also need to find a way to communicate the password to the recipient, but that could be done with an SMS message, a phone call, or an email from another account. The recipient will receive a message from your ProtonMail account. That message will explain that the receiver needs to click a link in the message and provide a password to view your message. It will also note that the message will be deleted from the server in 28 days or less. The sender can specify the duration. Clicking the link opens a browser and displays a text box where the recipient can type the password. The message can also display a password hint if you want to. If both you and the person you're sending encrypted messages to are familiar with public keys and private keys, you can set these up in ProtonMail, and the recipient can set them up on any email program that supports encryption. However, if both you and your correspondent understand public and private keys, you'll probably both be using email programs that support encryption.
If you'd like to learn more about Proton Mail, visit the website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Those of us who have used Windows since the early days may remember fondly the ability to press the F8 key during the boot process to start the operating system in safe mode. Microsoft eliminated that capability in Windows 8, but you can restore it. Let's start with why you might want to do that. Safe mode is intended to allow users to diagnose and fix problems with an operating system. It is also widely used for removing rogue software. In safe mode, the operating system has reduced functionality, and all non-core components are disabled. It usually provides access to utility and diagnostic programs, so a user can determine the cause of a problem that's preventing the operating system from working normally. All operating systems have a safe mode. Windows, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android phones. For Windows computers, the user can press F8 at boot time to access safe mode. At least they could until Windows 8 when Microsoft decided that saving a few seconds at boot time was better than providing easy access to safe mode. Okay, any time spent waiting for a computer is wasted. I've said that many times over the years, but sometimes it's worth trading a few seconds for improved functionality. And this is one of those cases. After all, what do we do while the computer is booting? I don't know about you, but I don't sit there and stare at the screen in hopes of speeding the process. I'm more likely to be getting a cup of coffee or taking a look at my schedule for the day on the phone or collecting notes for an article I'm working on. Sometimes the computer can wait several minutes for me to provide a fingerprint to unlock the system. Yes, that means every morning I give my computer the finger. Sorry. After all, any time the computer spends waiting for a human means the human is doing something important. Restoring the functionality is easy. It takes less than a minute. Start by opening a command prompt as administrator. There are lots of ways to do this. I usually press the Windows key, then type CMD in the search window and choose Run as administrator. You should then see a user account control window asking for your permission to run command as administrator. After you agree, the command prompt window will open. Type or just copy and paste a one-line command you'll find on the TechBiter Worldwide website. It looks like this, bcdedit space forward slash set space open curly brace default close curly brace space Boot menu policy, all as one word, B-O-O-T-M-E-N-U-P-O-L-I-C-Y, space, legacy. Press the return key. The appropriate response from Windows is, the operation completed successfully. If you don't see that, make sure you typed or copied the full command accurately, including all the spaces. Making the change doesn't modify what you'll see when the computer starts. 
it just adds a second or two to the process. If you want to start the computer in safe mode, press F8 immediately when you power the computer on and continue tapping, not holding down, but just tapping the F8 key until you see the advanced boot options menu, which will offer safe mode and safe mode with networking. Choose the one you prefer and your computer will start in safe mode. You don't need the F8 key to read 20 years ago on the TechBiter Worldwide website. In 2003, Chandler looked like a promising new open-source personal information manager. It survived until 2009. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music> <laughs>